In preparation for today's message, we shall be reading from the book of John, chapter 3, verses 31 to 36. Again, that is John, chapter 3, verses 31 to 36. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this, that God is true. For he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. We continue our sermon series on the Gospel according to John. Now, if you missed the previous sermons, you may go to our website or our podcast or YouTube channel to review the past sermons. Why is that important? Because we believe all believers should be contextual students of God's Word. We cannot pick a verse or a word and give it our own meaning. We must look for the meaning that the author intended it to be. So that it is important to study it in its context. In fact, we should be like the Bereans, carefully assessing every sermon we hear. It is done properly. For example, we read the text. If I try to put so many things in there from my background, my personal experience, so many things in there from all the verses of Scripture and try to give the author a different meaning, and that will happen if that's what you do. So what do we do? We first look at the intent of the author and then see the rest of Scripture and see the alignment there. Now the problem happens when we take a piece and then on its own, we don't look at the meaning of what the author said before and after. That is context. What do you do if you do that? It is like some person tells you a story and you tell that story to another person and this person heard the story you told and the person said, I didn't say that. You're misinterpreting me. You're putting words in my mouth. That's not what I said. So what do we do? We are careful to use the words of others carefully and accurately. The same way with Scripture, I do not want to meet John one day and John telling me, Brother, you keep talking about what I wrote and you're always missing the mark. 
I think one day there will be a confrontation of those who are trying their best to be accurate and those who are careless. Today, we will try to be careful. And that's what I advise everybody who reads the Word of God. Careful now what you think it means. Traditionally, it may not be accurate. Why? Because some charismatic preacher preached something and it reverberated for decades and it's been accepted today. But if you go back, you know, that's what I love about expository preaching. Those who truly understand it or who try to understand it would know this. That what? Not to misinterpret not to misguide self and others. Why? Because we will end up having the wrong application. Today, the sermon is about believe and obey. What do we obey? We have to be careful what we tell people to obey. We have to be careful to tell people where's the limit and where's the, what's beyond that. What would happen if you're not careful? Lahat bawal. Or, you know the warning? The warning in the Bible to those who call sin not sin and vice versa. There is a prophetic warning if it's not sin, then you call it sin. And if it's sin, and you say it's not sin. And that we must be careful as well. Now, let's go to the text. John the Baptist made it clear to his disciples, John the Baptist's disciples, that Christ must increase, and he, John the Baptist, must decrease. It's, you remember the story of last Sunday's sermon. Well, it is a story in John chapter 3 when they were baptizing in one area called Anon and in a bigger area called in, in Judea. And, and one of John's disciples, his students, said, Hey, you know the one you bore witness to? He has more following, actually. Everybody's there now. Yeah, it's like an exaggerated metaphorical way of saying that there are very few here and they're there. And the Lord's, uh, and John the Baptist said, well, uh, God can, re unless a man, let me rephrase that, unless God gives something to a man, he cannot receive it. Meaning he's saying that the followers of Jesus comes from God himself. And later on in John, genuine followers of Christ, they are called what? God's gifts to his son. God's gifts to his son. If you are a genuine follower of Christ, that's what the book of John would describe you to be as well. Now, he hinted it was meant to be then John revealed a powerful truth. Jesus is above all because he came from above. And the Father gave him all. 
In the previous context, God gave him followers, but what John was really trying to say, actually, he has given him all things. And he is above all. Again, the purpose of John since chapter 1, verse 1, is to reveal who Christ is. And it's many different uh, descriptions from the Word of God, the light that gives light to men, the one who gives eternal life, the one who has ascended and descended, the one in whom we must worship. Now, another revelation is the Father gave him all things. Now, it's like John is saying, hey, listen to me, student. He must increase and I must decrease. You know why? Because he is above all. You get it? And hopefully his students were there. And I thought maybe, perhaps, I say perhaps, carefully. We inject the word perhaps if the preacher is, you know, we're, we, we can't really ground it, but it's probably. So I say perhaps with care, because it's not written here, but perhaps John was thinking, in fact, I'm even wondering why you're still with me. You should be there as well. Now, the Bible did not say that. Take note. Perhaps, because perhaps it's not also true. But most likely, now that's when we look at Scripture. That's when we explain it. We try to be careful with these things. The Lord Jesus is unlike any human, and the ultimate truth is He is divine. Let's read verses 31 and 32. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth belongs to the earth and speaks in an earthly way. He who comes from heaven is above all. He who bears witness to what he has seen and heard, yet no one receives his testimony. Now John the Baptist explained that the Lord Jesus who comes from heaven is above all. Then he contrasted all who are of the earth and those of the earth speaks in an earthly way because of their limited perspective. The Lord Jesus spoke about heavenly things because he could. But the people did not receive his testimony. Now when we see there John saying no one receives his testimony, again it's a hyperbole, okay? It's a metaphor, it's an exaggeration. It's like you call your friend, why are you not here? Everybody's here. Actually, you're wrong. Not everybody's there because your friend's not there, right? So why do we use that? It's language, the use of language. Lahat nandito na. Actually, hindi lahat kasi wala pa siya dun. So when you say all, that doesn't mean no one. Or when it says no one receives his testimony because the writer received his testimony. The apostles received his testimony. So this is just an exaggeration because many from Israel did not believe. However, the writer who bore witness and the disciples believed in the testimony of Jesus Christ. So Christ is above all. Number two, God is true. Let's read verse 33 and 34. Whoever receives his testimony 
sets his seal to this, that God is true. What should we believe? The testimony of Christ. Now, what is that? Now, you will hear me say that, but you have to read that and believe it yourself. You have to know what is the testimony of Christ. Don't allow the passing of tradition of message after message after message, and you assume all is true. You have to see it for yourself. What is the testimony of Christ? If I ask you, what is the testimony of Christ? Can you answer me? And be careful how you answer. Why? You try to be as accurate as you can be because you do not want what? To create misinformation, misinterpretation, and to misguide others. That's why I prefer using the exact word. So if you say, our brother Ed said, you have to be accurate. You understand me? You don't try to say what you think he said. That's how we do it for one another. I heard a story. This is from my friend. Now, let me try to remember as much as I can. But this is the gist of it. And what do you do? You try to put what you remember that's accurate. And if it's not accurate, maybe this is a little bit different. But you get the, this is the main message of it. The same way in Scripture. That's why we who teach... We, and, and, and those who teach in Bible studies and growth group leaders must handle the Word of God with care. If I ask you, is it okay, is it okay for a surgeon to make a mistake? And they just say, oh, sorry. I left the scalpel inside. Okay, since we're friends, come on, let's do it quits. No, no, no. You ride a bus. Is it okay for the bus driver to make a mistake? Is it okay? No, hey. Those who study God's Word, feel it. Because we're talking eternity here. God is true. The writer explained that those who receive his testimony believe God is true. This is because God sent his son to speak his words. And he gave the Spirit to Christ in an unlimited way. Therefore, by believing in Jesus, one believes in the Father. Again, verse 33 and 34, whoever receives his testimony sets his seal to this that God is true. Now, if we believe in the testimony of Christ, we're saying God is true. So you can't say, I don't believe in Christ, I believe in the Father. No, you have to believe in Christ to believe in the Father. He is the ultimate expression of who God is. He's the ultimate messenger. He's the ultimate mediator. He's the ultimate son of God. And John himself says, and he is God. If we truly believe, not selective believing, I believe in this, but I don't believe in that. 
No, that's not true. I pray that you will believe in his testimony in its entirety. We have to believe. Not selective. This one I believe. This one I don't. This one I'll obey. This one I'll don't. I won't. Then you give the reasoning, God understands me. Oh yeah, he really understands your fallen nature. And he understands you must repent and believe. He understands we must turn away from our wicked ways. He did not just understand, he commanded it. For he whom God has sent, who Jesus Christ, verse 34, utters the words of God. The words of God. For he gives the Spirit without measure. Now there's two perspectives here. Some say it's Jesus who gives the Spirit without measure. But the more, I believe, more closer view of this is the Father gives the Spirit to the Son without measure. All who believe in Christ believe in His Father because the Father and His Son were with each other from the beginning. We can connect that in the prologue. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And there's that mystery, the dual approach of John, that they are separate, but they are one as well. And it's not a contradiction. It is a contradiction to the human mind because we are one in essence and one in person. God is one in essence, three in person. We can't relate. That's why we say it's illogical. However, how Christ spoke as the disciples listened again and again and again. And as they wrote and their associates wrote the New Testament, clearly there was this dynamic. That when you mention one, you've mentioned the three persons, but they're still one. We just can't relate to it. We just have to see it and study it and believe it. Now, therefore, those who believe the words of the Son, you know that, that there's so much emphasis in Scripture, both in the Old and the New Testament, about the words. The Word of God in the Old Testament. Oh, there are beautiful Psalms about the Word. So many reference to the Word. In the same way, the word of the testimony in the New Testament, the word of what he said, his testimony, is again and again and again repeated. That's why we must trust in his word. Now, let's go to verse 35. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. The writer stated that the Father loves the Son, and God gave all things to the Son. Therefore, all who believe in the Son, all have eternal life. Not will have, if you truly believe by God's grace. You are born, or you're born of the Spirit, therefore you believe. And if you truly believe, you know you were born of the Spirit. You're born of God. And that theme has happened in the early part of John chapter 3 and all the way from chapter 1. Born of God. Not the will of man, but the will of God. Now, what does it mean? Eternal life doesn't come after you die if you truly believe. 
eternal life begins now because it's not future tense. And in the Greek, it is not future tense. It is present tense to believe, to truly believe. And that's what we focus people on, to believe every word of God because Jesus utters the words of the Father. And there's a space that he taught many things to his disciples that was not included in the synoptics. And we believe those that he taught his disciples were written in the rest of the New Testament as an explanation to what he taught them. They have eternal life. Now, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Verse 36, whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life. Those who do not obey the Son shall not see life. Therefore, the wrath of God is still upon such a person. Now, let's, let's break it down. And I need your, your powers of analysis to be here. Look at the text. If you were absent in English classes, you can still go back. And that's what I did after I finished college. I went back to grade one to review the fundamentals and looked for books to review the fundamentals of English. If you look at it carefully, it says here, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Believes. Believes. Okay. That word believe has eternal life. And then the parallel, you look at verse 36, the parallel is whoever does not obey. Now, what is this style of writing? This is Jewish style of writing. You'll find that a lot in Proverbs. What is the Jewish style of writing? It's in parallels. If you look at Proverbs, the Proverbs, they can say two negative things, which means the same thing, but written in different ways. You have two positive things, which is saying a similar meaning. It's their poetry, it's their art. Or positive-negative, negative-positive. But they're saying the same thing. So what is this saying? Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, first line. Whoever does not obey shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. What's the parallel? Believing. What is believing? Earlier in John chapter 3, verses 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, we learned there that those who continue in their wicked deeds are, are those who are, do not believe in the Son of God. They do not love the light. Now here we see a parallel, and what do we carefully conclude from this? That we must believe, and if we truly believe, we will obey. Now, now, it defines for us, true belief leads to obedience. True faith leads to obedience. So we tell people, believe. But if the belief is false belief, it does not lead to obedience. In fact, they don't care whether they obey or not. They go with business as usual or life as usual. But the one who truly believes has a desire, what should I do, Lord? A desire to study God's word and to say, Lord, by your grace, by your strength, by your spirit, let me obey. So you cannot say you believe if you do not obey. Because clearly it says here, 
Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Positive. Amen? How positive can you get? Eternal life. That's the most positive thing I've ever heard. Eternal life. And what's the second? This is the worst thing I've ever read. What's the worst thing? Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. What, the what? The what? Now, we studied earlier in John chapter 3, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, that what? That those who don't believe in the Son, the wrath of God remains on them. It's saying the same thing. God, God is telling us something through the Scriptures, definitely. And John carefully, in his masterful way of writing, yes, it is masterful. Very creative writer, full of truth, but creativity. Before he said that in parallel, he's going to say it again to make the emphasis that this is important. Let me say this again. Now, it didn't say obedience. Did it say obedience saves? Again and again, it says it's believing that leads to eternal life. But if you believe, you obey. Because you can try to obey. Oh, you can try. And you won't make it. You can try to obey and you will fail again and again and again and again. And if you think it's a point system, just what religion teaches us, you have to do a lot of good works to cover your bad works or your evil deeds, your sinful deeds. You have to have a point system and one day it will be weighed and, uh, and somebody will judge if you will enter heaven. That, that's not what scripture says. It is in believing we have eternal life. It is in believing we have forgiveness. But believing also means repentance. Because what? It is about turning away from sin. And it is about obeying the Son. There must be a clear perspective in here. But what if you don't have time to obey? Yeah, just like the thief on the cross. He believed and he got into paradise. Uh, I think he was the first guy who entered. Uh, he believed he, there was no time to obey. Okay, he can't go down on the cross, uh, the thief on the cross beside Christ. Uh, re remember me when you go to paradise. Oh, remember me when you enter your kingdom, something like that. And, and, and the Lord said, oh, today you will be with me in paradise. Alistair Begg, one of the respected preachers today gave a wonderful rendition of this. And it's comical. And probably when he entered the gates, there was an angel waiting. This is not true, okay? This is modern parable. So he's saying, just like St. Peter's chicken isn't true, okay? That there's a chicken in heaven. I don't know if there's a chicken in heaven. Uh, you can't comfort your chicken. Anyway, I'll see you soon. Okay. Uh, you can't comfort your chicken. I don't know. Uh, but he says this, uh, why are you here? Uh, and the thief said, I don't know why I'm here. 
Uh, you, you don't know why you're here? Uh, but why did you show up? Nobody has shown up here. Uh, well, except for a few. But how did you come here? You, you, uh, you're, you're, you're a thief. And then the angel, I'm paraphrasing now from his original story, couldn't understand. He just called the supervisor angel and says, okay, okay, let me get this. What's your name again? And they, okay, I see your life here. You've done some terrible things in your life. Some terrible things in your life. You're such an evil person. You deserved it to, to, be, to die on the cross. But why are you here? And the thief said, I don't know. But the man in the middle said, I could come. Because he believed. Now, should his life extend, he had to obey. If his belief was real. Now, there is this funny thing that people, and I don't think they're true believers, if you think this way. Anyway, when I'm about to die, that's a time I will believe. So I can do all the naughty things here on earth. There's a problem there. I think I, I mentioned this last week. Some of us may have the privilege to die slowly and age slowly. Not everybody has that privilege. Some of us die suddenly. Boom. You're, uh, you can't guarantee yourself after you leave this building. Oh, you can't guarantee yourself while you're in the building. Earthquakes have been, tremors have been happening all over the world. And in Naga City for a while, have you forgotten? Have you forgotten the tremors that happened one after the other? Oh, you have forgotten. And that's how Filipinos think. We easily forget but some of us don't forget. You're thinking, mm, I'm going to live in the countryside, okay? <laughs> and I'm going to live in a, uh, uh, something light, so if it falls on me, I'm alive. <laughs> uh, nobody knows. Nobody knows. Nobody knows when you're just walking to cross the street and you get sideswiped by a motorcycle. You don't know. So if you're thinking, when I'm close to death, that's when I'm going to repent and believe. <laughs> Whoever does not believe, what does it say? The wrath of God. And does not obey the Son, the wrath of God remains on him. Now, John masterfully put both natures of God there. That God is love, for God so loved the world, and He's generous, eternal life. But he also mentioned what? The wrath of God that remains. Look, life in Christ, eternal life. That is a hundred years. You're just beginning. Huh? Beautiful, right? Remember the parallel. The wrath of God in the lake of fire, 100 years. You're just beginning.
Now, I have a problem with many gospel presentations today because they say, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And how do you believe? Just say this prayer. Follow this prayer. And after you said that prayer, it's like a sales, sales meeting. You just have to bring them there. And they say that. Repeat after me. You are saved. No, no, you have to read them this. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. And if your belief is true, you will obey. Because whoever does not obey the Son does not have life. But what? The wrath of God remains in you. But if you believe, oh my, you will experience the love of the Father in Christ. But if you do not, that we need to inject we made it so ritualistic. You have, what does it mean? And instead of, instead of saying believe, we keep saying the word accept. And how do you accept? You pray a prayer. And after the magic prayer, I don't see that. You know, you know how to analyze scripture? You, you look at the narratives, you look at the gospels, or you look at the epistles. You find an alignment there. You look for the alignment. And once you see an alignment there, you stand on it. If you don't see an alignment somewhere, mm, let me think. A narrative is a narrative. Uh, let me example of a narrative. Let me give you an example of a narrative. Solomon had many wives. You see it in the Bible. I can have many wives. No, you got it wrong. He had trouble having those many wives. It's part of history, and those wives were not really the real deal. There were political alliances to maintain peace in the land. The real deal was what? The concubines. It's a narrative. A narrative doesn't always say you have to do this. But if you find alignment... In the book of Acts, they said, tell these gentle believers, uh, don't... Yeah, just, just don't eat blood, okay? Just don't eat blood. Then you find in the epistles, Paul saying, everything can be eaten, just by, pray for it. Uh, but if it makes somebody stumble, don't do it in front of them, or might as well, just don't do it. But then Paul would say, but all things are clean for me. All things are clean. I find repent and believe in the Synoptic Gospels. I find repent and believe in the book of Acts. And I find repent and believe in the epistles. So how do we preach the gospel? Jesus suffered, died, and rose again. He suffered and died because of our sin. He rose again from that because he himself had no sin. He defeated death for us. He is the ultimate sacrifice, a replacement for our sin. Just like in the Old Testament law, an innocent animal must die for your sin. Now, the Lord is not an animal, but he's the only human without sin. And if and he calls us to repent and believe. Exact words of Jesus. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Mark 1.15. Exact words of Christ. Why don't we preach the exact words of Christ? Why don't we preach John this way? Why don't we preach 
For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should have eternal life. Should not perish but have eternal life. But then we, have to, we cannot stop at verse 16. We have to continue. But he who does not believe is condemned already. He who does not believe and does not obey the wrath of God remains. Why can't we preach that? Because they'll be offended. That's not our concern. We can, you can say it smiling. You're going to hell. <laughs> Whatever way you do it, you say it nicely. But we have to proclaim what is here. We deserve damnation. We need, that's why we need Christ. We're all sinners. That's why we need Him. Let's not compare ourselves. I'm not too bad. I'm not as worse as him or her. Uh, I don't hurt anybody. That doesn't matter. As long as you sin, you need forgiveness or else you're damned. And how are you forgiven? The word is believe. And it's not the kind of belief that the demons have. You know how do the demons believe? They believe he exists. And many of us think we believe and have eternal life. But the level of your belief is what? That he exists. But not to the point of what? That I have to repent and believe. Can't we have songs where the wrath of God is mentioned? We should look for that. It's hard to look for one. Maybe some of you will compose this kind of balance. Huh? This kind of parallelism. Which is ultimately biblical. Huh? Uh, so many songs on what making it appeal to the world appeal and magnetic to the world now we preach the gospel it is the work of the spirit to convict and to convert and to regenerate that's not our role our role is to be accurate with God's word your God condemns no naman no, you don't apologize for God. Yes, He does. And He will judge you and all of us. But He is merciful. He found a way through Christ. You don't apologize for God. This new woke philosophy going around in the U.S. trying to infiltrate our universities as well. Oh, no, no, no. we face them head on. And reveal the foolishness even in the philosophical level. Address that. But more on the biblical level. Let me try to finish. Don't forget the parallel here, the beautiful parallel. So our, the way we see it is whole, not fragmented. You know, be an integer, not a fraction. Those of you in math, a fraction is what? One half, one third, one fourth. What's an integer? It's a whole number, one, two, three. You know where integrity comes from? From the word integer. It's whole. Don't be somebody who speaks of God's word that is fractional. You only teach this. You have to teach the whole. Application number one, understand why. John the Baptist said that Christ must increase and he must decrease. The Baptist gave an apparent reason. Christ is from above and he is above all. 
Humans speak of earthly things, but Christ speaks of the Father. Thus we understand why we should decrease because he is above all. Many did not receive the testimony of Christ. Their earthly mind could not comprehend it, but those born from above can see. Those born from above understand why Christ must increase. It's not about us. Christianity is not about you and me. Don't make it about your poor emotion. Because the more you focus on yourself, the more depressed you will be. Many of us have been there. And the focus is how we are not good enough. You know what? You know what's liberating? Accept that you're definitely not good enough. Accept that you're a wretched sinner, the worst of every kind. And then what? The hope in Christ that what? We don't bank on ourselves. There's nothing to bank on. When it comes to eternal life, we cannot rely on ourselves. On our merit, we can just hold on to what He has done. A substitute for our foolishness, a substitute for our sin. Next, believe in who Jesus is. The Father has sent Christ, and Christ speaks the Father's words. Therefore, we read this in the piece of Scripture we've, we've read. If we believe in Christ, we believe in the Father. Thus, we, may, we must pay close attention to the words of Christ, because those words are from the Father. If we do not believe in the words of Christ, then we do not believe in Christ. Which also means that we do not believe in the Father. Therefore, we treat His Word with faith and reverence. So, brothers and sisters, we must trust the Word of God because that is the Word of the Father. But then we must be careful how to understand it, how to study it in its context. In its context. And lastly, believe and obey <clears throat> those who believe in the Son whom the Father loves has. Those have eternal life. Therefore, we believe in the Son whom the Father gave all things to. If we believe, then we will also obey. Those who believe will obey. Can you say, I believe? I believe. And then say, by His grace, I will obey. To claim to believe but not obey is an anomaly. No, it's an anomaly. There's something wrong here. You believe and you don't obey. There's something wrong. It cannot be. Therefore, the one who does not obey does not honestly believe. No, you don't. Which also means that the wrath of God remains. You know who can assure the person if he is saved? Where in scripture? You have to give me something very accurate. It is not the preacher. Nor the one who shares the gospel. Romans 8, it's only the spirit. You know, but the problem with us. After we preach and we want some confirmation for our work, very humanly selfish still. And so if we say, if you want to believe, just raise your hand. It's actually 
also a benefit for me. Maybe because if I report many hands raised to my supporters, they'll support me more. Or picture taking, come in front. Or some say it's an act of faith that by just doing it, they're saved. Where did it say so? Where? Jesus saying, okay, all heads bowed, all eyes closed. Okay, now, how many of you believe in me? Yes, yes, yes. Hallelujah. I see those hands. Now, will you rise and just come forward? Let me pray for you. Come to Christ, baby. Come on. Oh, is that a tool? Yes. That can be a tool in a large crowd. You don't know who you're going to pray with. So I'm not against it being a tool. If you want to come to speak with somebody and to pray with you, please come. And I have no problem with that. But once you begin assuring them, we don't assure them, we preach to them. And they would know if they truly believe. Well, the Spirit confirms it within them. But to those who are unsure until today, then come to the Lord, humble yourself and say, Lord, I need you. I want to believe. I want to obey. But I don't know if I have truly believed. That is the humble way to approach it. Now, here's a problem. If you assure somebody that the Spirit has not assured, what happens? Some of your stories that you testify about, you thought you were believers, but since once you start, started studying Scripture, you realize, no, not yet. Now I have to learn to truly believe. Because if you don't believe, the wrath of God remains. It's the same. Those who don't believe are condemned already. But can that be reversed? Of course. Believe. If there's a consistency from the, from the fall of man, how God condemns sin. That's already consistent. So when a man dies, Hebrews 9.27, he faces judgment. It's consistent. What's that judgment? It's just an announcement. And then another time, the dead, in, the dead will rise again in, in Revelation 20, the great white throne, an announcement to the final place of everybody. There's another announcement. It's consistent from before, then, and then. The wrath of God remains. And that's why we proclaim the gospel. That's why. And that's why after we proclaim, we want to engage them, to speak to them. Let's talk. Because we want more clarity in Scripture. We encourage them to read the Scriptures and to learn to study in context, to have faith and to deepen that faith, to strengthen that faith. Why do we do that? Because we know the wrath of God exists. And we know it's real because what the Bible says, what Christ says, we believe. So I share to you, my friends, a piece of poetry called Believe and Obey. Those born from above will believe. That is what it means to receive everlasting life through the Son. 
no other than Jesus, the one. But those who don't obey are damned through his words. This we understand. The ones who believe will obey, and those who do not, his wrath remains. If we believe, we will obey. From this holy truth, do not stray. We believe in his holy word, and it is done without reserve. His words have been put on record. The Bible, the word of the Lord. Those who don't believe are condemned. Let us never be one of them. Let us all rise and let us pray. Thank you, O Lord, for your word. And allow us to see what's, how it was craftily written by a man of God, by your servant. Showing that you love the world and you give eternal life in Christ alone. But warning everybody else that those who do not believe are already condemned. And showing us as well that you give everything to Christ, all in all. And allowing us to see that those who believe have eternal life, but whoever does not obey the Son, and that includes not believing in the Son, does not, will not see life. But the wrath of God remains. Awaken us, O oh Lord, to preach your word, to trust your word that when we preach, and it would be accurate as you would have said it, yet use our wisdom to use some modern examples to contextualize things. Yet may we never change what you said, for they are holy. May we never distort the meaning of what was being said, for they are holy. And give us the fear of God. The desire not to make a single mistake when we share, or even what we believe. And teach us to study your word with all diligence. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of His Spirit be with you all. And God's people say, Amen. Good morning.